God can't bless who you pretend to be or who you compare yourself to. He can only bless you and the lane that was created for you. I feel that for somebody. You don't need no edge entity. You need boundaries. What? I don't need your likes. I don't need your validation. All I need is a God fighting for me that says all things, all things, all things. The theme for this week is exhaling gratitude. And I have to tell you, I am so, so grateful for the conversation you're about to experience. You know, it is that time of the year in which we start thinking about those we've lost, maybe people who we thought would be around for this season, but they aren't here. Uh, Joan's testimony, her story is going to help you make it through this season. You're going to want to share it with everyone you know. It speaks so much to how those who are no longer with us are yet still alive through us. I am high key obsessed with her and so grateful for the time that we've been able to spend together. I don't want to withhold this joy from you any longer. So here's my co-host, Joan Lyric Leslie. Well, good afternoon. How are you? Ma'am. Ma'am. I'm amazing. How are you? You better give us puff. Is this a twist out, a braid out? Is this a wash and go? How do we get this puff up here looking the way it's looking? This is a finger coil situation. It is a finger coil. Ma'am, you're wrong. I finger coiled this puff for you, ma'am. And it's giving the definition for me. How many days old is this finger coil? We're on day three. It's giving. The definition is there. It's like it's like you've been sleeping like this. Like you told the steam, don't try it. How are you? I appreciate you. I am great. How are you today? Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for doing this with me. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Where are you from? I'm originally from Harlem, New York, but I am living in Atlanta, Georgia now. So you may hear that New York come in. <laughs> At some point. Let's but, talk yeah. about it. Do you have like a New Yorker attitude? Like, are you like a New Yorker? When I'm in my Eve days, yeah. Yes, yeah. When, I'm home with that. Moments, when is yeah, the last time Eve the New okay. Yorker got together? Oh, that's how we're starting. Yes, yeah, so we're, we're going we're to go right for it. Okay. <laughs> the last time, well, I was just at a festival, which is why my voice is not what it usually is. Uh, Kirk Franklin had us singing I was just looking at a video from that yesterday. Can I tell you, I went to the (laughs) Kirk Franklin concert like a stand. Like, I stood the entire time. Like, I love a Kirk Franklin concert. Okay, but tell me. Tell me about Eve. Eve showed up at the Kirk Franklin concert? Not stomp. Tell me. It it did. I was leaving. I was not stomp. You are hilarious. (laughs) I was was leaving. (laughs) I was leaving Kirk's section to go to another part of the festival and a young lady who uh, I bumped into accidentally, she, she looked back at me before I could, you know, <laughs> I could say, excuse me, I'm sorry, didn't mean to. And she looked like she was ready to uh, share some unkind words with me. And yeah, that face you just made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My head did, a, did, a, did, did something very similar. And I didn't have my braids, Pastor Sarah. When I have my braids, I'm a different girl. The braids were ready. The rest, but I only had the puff. So the puff, I had to keep it cute and saved. So it was just, 
you know, but I caught myself, but it, I definitely looked over like, Oh, you know, and I got to catch it. I got, yeah. you see, it's not pretty. It's not kind. But you grabbed it's it right there. Pretty. I like the way you grabbed it. Let's talk about the way hair changes our attitude. Let me tell you something. The other day I was in my braids because that's what's underneath this wig. And I was, it was probably about 3 p.m. It was prime Eve behavior. It was 3 p.m. Um, I told Ella, I was like, you need to go upstairs and put some clothes on. She was like, you still got on your bonnet. I'm confused. <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> Did she do it like this with her hands? No, but she, was, well? like, she does give confusion face. Like, but you still have on your bonnet. And I'm like, but you're not my mother. I'm your mother. And you need to do what I told you to do and I was like you do need to go put on a wig though because it's giving raggedy parenting like you have on a house coat and a bonnet and it's a smooth 3 p.m. like what's what's wrong with you who hurt you is what I needed to ask myself you're the adult you're the adult here and I support that decision. And I don't mean to make you my counselor, but speaking of being the adult last night, here we are last night, Ella was avoiding bedtime and you know, I'm like, Ella go to bed. That's at this point I've lost all of my feelings box. You know, I try to use a type of parenting that I didn't experience where like your feelings matter. You can communicate back to me. That's where I try to function. But around 9 PM now I've turned into everything that raised me. And I'm like, if you don't go get in the bed, like I told you to, get in the bed and so she comes and knocks on the door again this time she wants to talk to her father she's like dad can you pray with me like what are you gonna say to that and I'm sitting there looking like you can pray by yourself see if you really had oil you would pray by yourself but I won't I want to let her pray pray with her father I go downstairs I came back up he was like just so you know Ella asked me to pray for you Ella asked me to pray for you. I would finish. Evidently, my husband had finished his prayer. And then at the end, he was like, can I? She goes, can I just add one thing? God, can you please have my mom to start saying please? Because when I tell her to do stuff, she's like, you didn't say please. (laughs) And I just. Listen from. (laughs) I don't. From her mouth to God's ears, you know, just these are are her prayers. These are her (laughs) prayers. And keep your relationship with God personal, as in don't include me in it. How about that? (laughs) Love it. (laughs) No, I love this. Thank you for doing this podcast with me. We're going to have an incredible time. We're just going to sit up. We're going to have girl talk. And we're going to talk about your Eve behavior. When you have (laughs) (laughs) your braids, you turn into Eve. Is that what I hear? It's just easier. Wait, (laughs) tell me. You have to break this down. What do you mean it's easier to be Eve with brains? It's just easier to, you know, have that attitude, that, because this, this response, this, you know, the response. (laughs) When you're throwing things back and things are moving, when there's a weight on you and it moves. Right. Right. I just feel like it adds the emphasis I need (laughs) for for my queen. This, the puff is, it's more innocent. It's more professional. It's no one is expecting <laughs> the Eve behavior when they, it's, it's unassuming. Uh, but when the braids come out, they think they can get all versions of this here, a black girl and, and they can. And, and they, they can, can and, they and they will. And I'm glad to deliver. <laughs> okay. So I have a question for you, Joan. When is the last time you gave someone a pass? You know what I mean? Like where you was like, you know what? Like that, I know you gave me the festival, but I mean like an intentional, I have the braids. I could give it to you if I wanted to, but I have decided I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. So... Someone's son was in my uh, direct message, as the kids say, that the DM. Yes, somebody's uh, they, son. They had hopped in yes. my, in my, in my mm-hmm. somebody's son. And uh, 
he he was he wanted to debate on a topic that I had no interest in debating on. Uh, so gracefully, I looked at the comment and said, uh, "I don't have any experience in this area. I can't speak on this topic, but uh, you be well." And, and I hope someone who can answer this question for you does. Uh, but it was something real. He was off the wall, Pastor Sarah. He was he was asking questions that you you know how um, you've heard. I've heard the testimonies that people share on this here platform. Yes, <laughs> I've been a witness. So uh, I dodged that. But Eve behavior, if I had my brains, if this was three weeks ago, I would have, you know, told him how I really felt, which was, don't be coming in here with that nonsense. Who has time? <laughs> who, has, who has the time? Not me. But, you know, on that day, I literally did not have the time. So. I just left it where it was. You know, Joan, I feel like I want to keep you in my back pocket and just pull you out. when Because what I like about your reading, and you do have on your glasses, so it is a read. What I like about the way that you read is that it it's not... It's still giving classy. Like you strike me as the kind of person who starts the emails with to whom it may concern or as previously stated, like it is giving. How did you become this way? Have you always been so diplomatic in your reading? Because some of us need lessons because I am either fully Holy Ghost kindness or you have now gotten on my last nerves. I don't have no scriptures for you. Like all you got is me right here. And like it's going to be raggedy. And I want to be more like you. Have you always been this way Ooh. no no I've not always I, I'm from Harlem New York uh pre-gentrified Harlem <laughs> New York <laughs> you got, you got there's that. a difference there's a difference okay not we didn't have no doggy parks when I was there okay I don't know we had oodles and noodles you know what I mean <laughs> chicken the good kind okay <laughs> that's what we had but um have I, I've definitely not always been this way, Pastor Sarah. I will say it is the career that I chose has definitely given me a professional voice <laughs> that I have to, you know, I have to use often. It's given me a professional voice, uh, both audibly and over email. Uh, I love a good italicization and, uh, you know, I, I love the bold, <laughs> the, the key text. So you know that I mean what I say, and uh, I'm not here to waste your time, so don't waste mine. But you know, you, you say it in such a way that you could even throw a smiley face in now. They they allow you to put the emojis in. You know, is Tabitha or, Brown your spirit animal? Because that's hilarious. <laughs> because. <laughs> You are actually you me? are my Oh Lord, <laughs> that, that gives me hope. Maybe I can't see myself because you make me want to be better, like better, different, more, more than this, different. <laughs> and you make me want to be myself. Oh yes, yeah. So that's all we got. This that's all we got. So that's like code switching. Like you have, do you do some, is that, is this where we're going? That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Yes. I love this. Okay. So tell me about the first time you realized like I'm going to have to, cause this, this is very important because (laughs) I try to tell people like I'm, I'm balancing this line of, I want you to be authentic, but I don't want your authenticity to rob you of opportunity. And if you aren't willing to develop your language and recognize Mm -hmm. what is effective in the rooms that you're in, then you may miss out on legitimate opportunities because you weren't willing to change your language. Do you what do you think about the culture of code switching, the necessity of it? And do you think Mm -hmm. that there is a space where you should be able to just 
come the way that you are into professional environments and they should adjust? Like, where is the middle road? I personally think there's a version of myself in all of those realms. There is a professional Joan that can speak at the board meeting, you know, that can speak with people who are in the C-suite of these big companies. There's There's an authentic version of that Joan. There's also an authentic version of the Joan who can kiki on the couch while, you know, watching and wait to exhale and the kiki turns into a cry and a yeah. testimony. <laughs> right. And there's there's a space for us to show up as our as our authentic selves everywhere we go, as long as we're going into the right room. And I believe that for every room I enter and I want all the women that I do community I'm in community with to, to see it that way as well. So we never feel like we're putting on, you know, the room we walk into, it requires that type of hairstyle, you know, (laughs) the same way we would dress up to go to church. That's going to be different than how it would be if we, you know, if we went to um, a festival. Festival is big on my mind right now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I love how carbs can make everything all right. Need a break, but no time for a vacation? Eat carbs. Celebrating exciting news? Eat carbs. But you know who doesn't love carbs as much as I do? My waistline. For years, giving up carbs has been difficult, but with the help of Noom, my relationship with carbs has gotten better. Noom uses a psychology-based approach to help us change our mindset for good without demanding a whole new lifestyle. I like how easy the Noom app is to use and how the program is customized to my personal goals. Join me and start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com evolve. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash evolve. Take the stress out of evolving your health and become empowered with Noom and their cognitive behavioral approach, focusing on the why instead of the what as you change your relationship with food. You don't even have to make a drastic change to your lifestyle and all you need is 10 minutes a day. Start your trial today at Noom.com slash evolve. I love that because what I hear you saying is that there are dimensions to authenticity. Just because you are authentic with your family members doesn't mean that that is the same authenticity that you need to take into work. And I feel like giving ourselves permission to change is difficult when we have family members who are like, why do you act different when you're over there? Why do you speak different when you're in this space? How do you navigate people having to embrace different versions of who you are? Oh, they love it. My friends are the biggest support system when it comes to that because they see me in my most raw form. They see me in my home and then they'll see me answer the phone because my boss just called me or because I have, <laughs> you know, someone who's really important on the other line and they'll, they'll, they'll chuckle in the background, but they know, okay, that's a work call. And I'll never forget. I was in the, I was in the car with my dad one time and he said, I got off the phone and he said, I just love your professional voice. <laughs> now, this, this is my father who raised me, right? And who, who knows what I sound like when I'm just his baby. But he also knows what I sound like when I'm talking to the president of a company that, you know, I have to, I have to work with for my big girl job. So they, they all, they get to see all versions of me. And I'm fortunate that they, they embrace it. 
Oh, that's so good. I feel like we spend a lot of times talking about the people who aren't able to do it, which I think is legitimate because not everyone has that level of support. But how has this is like a twofold question, like how has having that mm-hmm. level of support made you more grateful for who you are? That's what at Woman Evolved this week we're talking about, just like exhaling gratitude. So like, I guess mm-hmm. if you could say anything to those people who have given you permission to bloom and grow and to switch and to be off and to be on, what are the words that you would say to them uh, that would be just you exhaling your gratitude for them? I would say thank you for allowing me to be human. Mm. You know, we as black women don't often get the space to be human when we step outside of our houses, right? We we take our bonnet off, we do our hair, and we show up in the world as who the world expects us to be. But I'm so grateful for the people who say, girl, if you come downstairs with those gel braids and this yes. robe that is holding on <laughs> by your thread, we still love you. You know, and it's important that we all find people who love us from the time we wake up until the time we go to sleep because those we get those different versions of ourselves and we give those different versions of ourselves to the world every day. So it's nice to have that affirmed. So, yeah. Okay, so when I said it's a, a twofold question, do you feel now okay. a responsibility to create those spaces in your own relationships? Like, do you do it with intentionality or is it something that comes organically? And I think this is important because a lot of times it's like, I want to be the friend that people can feel human with, but sometimes I can be mm-hmm. judgmental or, you know, like my advice is unsolicited and I don't create space for mm-hmm. people to be human. Do you have to intentionally kind of bring yourself into the awareness that like I want to be a safe space so I have to be aware Mm -hmm. of the things in me that could create you know limitations for where people can allow me to walk with them that is a great question you know I would say it starts with me being brave enough to show up as vulnerable me allowing myself to show up as human. You know, I was the girl who was class president for all four years of high school. And, you know, when I got to college, president of our Black Student Union, I just have always been kind of the the face of the things that I'm involved with. So you have to put on a face. You have, when you leave your your college dorm and people know you're the president of, of, of an organization, you have to carry yourself a certain way. But when I became a real adult, right, once I had to start forming my own friendships, nobody cares what what was on your resume in, in college, right? The first time or the first season when I really just said, I'm human and I'm going to show up as this flawed individual who is not always worried about what people are thinking about me. The people I started to, to trust with that person person is, you know, those are the people who I've kept around. So the first Mm -hmm. step for me, I guess, would be, it was being brave enough to take the cape off and say, all right, these are people I trust to see me as I am. And, um, and, and that that gave them the courage to do the same. Okay. Joan can take her cape off. Where's my hanger? You know, like when, when can I do the same? Okay. Joan, cause you strike me. Have you done the Enneagram test? 
No. no. Okay. I don't, I don't, I'm not yeah. really well versed at it, but you kind of sound like okay. mine is an, a number three. I'm an Enneagram number three. You got to look it up. It don't mean nothing, but look okay, it up anyway. It. It's like a personality test that's going to make you feel like, oh my gosh, okay. I am seen, but also you don't know me. And at the end of the day, God defines me. <laughs> it ain't nothing. Okay. Be clear, but you should also <laughs> take it. Um, I'm, I'm still take it. <laughs> I think mine is a number three, which is an achiever. And just hearing what you said about mm-hmm. being, you know, the mm-hmm. student body president in high school and black student union in college, you strike me as an achiever, as someone who really prides himself on their ability to go after a goal and make it happen. How do you balance being an achiever, but also not falling into the trap of being the strong friend? Because you also talked about vulnerability. And oftentimes Mm -hmm. we feel like I can only do one or the other. So if I'm going to be an achiever, I can't show any weakness. But then that vulnerability is necessary because we are human. How did you discover? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I want to. Because I just know there are people listening who want to take off their cape. Like, how did you Mm -hmm. discover those people? How did you discover the way in which you allowed yourself to be human, even if you were achieving and doing well in other circles? So, again, great question. I think for me, so I write. I write poetry, Mm -hmm. and that has always been the safe space for me to bring my vulnerable thoughts, okay. right? If I'm on stage performing, no one sees the process that it took <laughs> to create this piece, right? And the critique I got on a lot of my work in the beginning was, well, you are who we thought you were. You know, these poems are all as funny and, you know, charming as we thought you were. But it wasn't until I really started writing about who I am when no one's looking, who I am, you know, that would surprise people that I started to get a different reaction. Mm. And I had women come up to me and thanking me, you know, they were thanking me for telling their story. And that's when it hit me. This is bigger than me. If I continue to operate over here, I'm just affirming all the things that social me- that I'm putting on social media. I'm just affirming for people what my highlight reel is. But if I'm sharing with people, yeah, I've been in love before, but my heart has been broken. And this is how I this is how I look when my heart is broken. Those are the types of poems I started to write. Those are the stories I started to tell. And I saw women come to me and men even come to me and say, we needed that. And I'm grateful uh-huh. that, you know, you, you shared that story. So I know I'm not alone. Once I realized I was helping other people feel less alone, I said the cape got to come off at yeah. night because my purpose is bigger than this image, right? My purpose is to, to heal whoever needs healing and whoever my story can touch. That is so good, Joan. A lot of times people reach out to me and they want to know, how do I practice vulnerability? And one of the things that I tell them is you have to practice vulnerability with yourself. We think vulnerability is like posting it on social media or allowing our close friends and family to know about something that's taking place in us. But vulnerability begins with intimacy with self. And what I hear you saying is that your outlet did not come from people. It came from you grabbing a pen and paper and allowing it to flow through 
through you in a way that was meaningful and transparent and authentic to you. And I think that's so liberating for people because if you're waiting for a person to be your outlet, you may stay depressed or repressed. But if you say at the end of the day, what's in me has to come out of me. And I don't know if you're like me, sometimes when I'm writing, I don't even know what's in me until I start writing. I don't even know how I feel until Mm -hmm. I put it on paper. And there are moments when you need to figure out who you are and where you are and how you're processing. And you won't necessarily be able to talk to someone to do it, but you can create an outlet through painting, through writing, through music that allows you to lay out what's inside of you. How has your art helped your relationship with God? I'm going to answer it, but I do have to tag you in. Okay. Okay. Um, not, and that, not that I need you to add to it. I do just want to affirm you in this moment though. I needed to know that how I talk in general is a way I could talk to God. Right. Mm. And you are someone whose voice I heard and said, hold on, I can talk to God like that. Yeah. He still don't listen to me. If I talk to him like that, let's go, you know, but I had never really heard anyone who had a voice similar to mine, who talked the way I talk. You, you talk like my home, my home girl, you know? So for me to hear that, how I speak can reach God's ears that changed the game for me. Mm. So I started writing poetry about, you know, how I talk to God. I wanted people like me or who are similar to know just because you, you don't, pray the way pastors who are on TV pray or the way your own personal pastor prays doesn't mean your words are not touching God. You know, I'm, I'm the, the silly friend. I'm the friend in the group. You would, you would consider the class clown who just becomes an adult and never stops. Right. It's just, <laughs> I find humor. I just, well, I find humor in a lot because like being a black woman in America <laughs> or it, period, right? It can be tough if we sit and think about all that we have going against us, right? I find humor in the most basic of experiences to bring joy to myself, but to bring joy to other people. And not just joy, I want to bring God to other people. I yeah. want people to know you can be the glass clown. You can joke with God. You can say, now God. Listen, now, <laughs> this is what I thought you had for me. Right, right. Like I wrote a whole poem about how God is petty. You know what I mean? And it was just, it, it let other people who don't consider themselves even say, oh, well, the relationship she has with that God she's describing is one I would like to have with yeah. the higher power. And if I can bring people to God through my natural way of talking to him, I've done my job. If that's two people, if that's 2000, I've done my job. Okay. I want to hear the the poem about God being petty. It's short enough. We got time though. I don't know. Go for it. Yes. The God I serve. Well, you got to say it with me. You got to say it well. Well. (laughs) (laughs) It's petty. You heard me right. Petty. P-E. TTY definition, acting in favor of one's own interests, making something otherwise insignificant, something much bigger than what it actually is. That's him, petty. See, when God created me, he converted crack into cacophony, cacophony into calculus, quadratic-like equations forming square-like roots through college, college, 
onto stages, stages that feel like victory, seemingly meant to be filling voids, but don't quite entirely. Questions left unanswered about emptiness and anxiety and how it feels to have the world. But no, you sacrificed it all for a little house in suburbia, two sufficiently working cars, two and a half babies, and a dog, or a guinea pig, or whatever those little crumb snatches want. But no, the God I serve gives me dreams, tests, trials, themes, while continuing to bless the rest of my friends with all the things. Petty, I know it when I see it because I am my father's child and I can hear a smell taste petty from corners, blocks, and miles, I guess you can call it my love language. It's like when your petty matches my petty, I readily and pettily fall in love and then the petty in me speaks to the petty in you and the God I serve is extremely petty for introducing me to you. You blueprint, the perfectly poetic prototype. It's like he sees me as something otherwise insignificant, you as something much bigger than what it actually is. And then he puts the world on hold inside of us while putting miracles to work outside of us, giving me just enough to stay grounded, you just enough to gain sight, just enough petty to share with one another to keep our teeth nice and white. Because let's be honest, the God I serve knows if I actually had everything I wanted, I wouldn't quite know how to ask which is why every time I pray to be skinny, he's like, nah, you good where you at? Like he knows if I had everything I actually wanted, Pastor Sarah, I'd never wear any real clothes. And it gets a little colder in hot Georgia than I expected. So he's keeping me healthy and humble, I suppose. And I suppose his petty agenda far exceeds any life plan of mine. So I've learned to stop measuring love and the weight in my own perception of time. Because that type of time is otherwise insignificant, if you will, now that I have finally found you something much bigger than I'd ever imagined, who also just happens to be something real. Ma'am. That's my little petty poem. That that is more than a little petty poem. I am snapping. I know people at home are snapping. That is amazing. Thank you. And brilliant and just powerful beyond measure. I appreciate you. Thank you. But but I do want to, you know, return it back to you that you speaking to God the way you do gave me the confidence and the courage to write about him so, so openly, because that's how, that's how I think about my God. Right. And when I can speak to other people in that way, I know you're bringing him to people who would never reach him otherwise. And I would like to think I'm doing the same for the few I can reach to. Oh my gosh. You're going to reach so much more than a few. At what point did you realize like, this is a gift. Like this isn't just, something random this is a gift that can really help people well when i put out one of my books about you know just so one of my projects is called love and all that sits in its place and i really become i I let the vulnerability out you know i talk about what i'm like when i take the cape off and the text messages i received the dms i received from you know from close friends who read it let me know, okay, I have to, I have to step out of my own way to get the word out there. Right. Because 
God wants people who were not listening to him before to hear my poetry because I'm the girl they think they can relate to. They they know that I watch the same shows they watch. They know that, you know, I talk the same way they do, but they now know, all right, now that I've got you, this is the only way I've been able to get through those dark times is because I had a God I could pray to to encourage me through those. We're in the middle of the holidays and food is at the center of it all. Why not let America's number one meal kit help you wow your loved ones, especially with dessert? Satisfy everyone's sweet tooth with HelloFresh's seasonal goodies like ginger spice cake truffles and cherry cheesecake swirl bars. On average, you'll save over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. That's more money to spend on gifts and activities. Go to HelloFresh.com slash WomanEvolve14 and use code WomanEvolve14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts. Personally, I love that HelloFresh has easy-to-follow recipes that also expand my palate. She fancy. Try it out and let HelloFresh know that I sent you. That's HelloFresh.com slash WomanEvolve14 and use code WomanEvolve14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts gifts you are like such a light you're so brilliant your heart is just so warm like I feel it I sense it it's hard to believe that like you are the kind of woman that is just like she how could she go through dark times like because you are just like who shines this brightly after what they've gone through and I just yet I feel like well, you, <laughs> don't do this don't what? do this we're talking what? about you Not don't do this for- <laughs> <laughs> I mean oh, it okay we're here <laughs> I mean it I mean it you just have yeah, I appreciate you that means so much coming from you it's is it expensive to be you like after like how expensive is that like go up is that what is that what <laughs> is that what <laughs> I'm just saying how how can you say more about that? I think I'm with you, but I want to make sure I'm with you. I, you either, I don't know, man. It just seems like underneath that light and that joy has been this incredible decision to be a light. Mm -hmm. Um, This feels like something you do on purpose And I have found that that level of intentionality and purpose usually only comes after a trial that said you can either let this take you under or you can choose to walk on water. And it just this feels like a choice. I think I'm with you now. Um, So in March of 2019, I lost my mom Mm. to a heart attack and it was unexpected. She was getting better from, you know, what she was dealing with. But, um, that was the toughest experience, the toughest time in my life. But my mom's name is joy Uh and everyone in her life knew that when she walked into a room, you know, 
like so she had these deep dimples and this big smile and she she lit up any room she would walk into she would wear these sunglasses so that so she always looked like a celebrity <laughs> would just walking throughout Harlem but she didn't want people to see her facial expression because she was always looking at folks like they were crazy <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's really what was behind all that so she was the original class clown but knowing that she touched our community the way she did and being at the funeral, you know, you do, you handle the business of it all because I'm an only child and I'm there. I'm consoling everybody else at my mother's funeral because she's the light they've all lost. And I now know that's a big, you know, I I can't feel all of that, but Lord knows I'm a try. So the decision I made when my mom left is that between now and when we meet again, I'm going to give the world all the joy I can, both hers and mine. And it's a task. It's quite the task, but she's right there. And I know she's up there right next to God. Like, uh, my baby didn't get her blessings today. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know what time it is. I don't know if it's Pacific standard time over here or <laughs> when, when, when do her blessings come down? <laughs> But that's what that's what I I believe is behind it. That that makes me emotional. Like literally, like you. I'm over here. No, because like. we're not gonna finish this. <laughs> I I just met your mother. Like it just the moment you said that, it's like God gave you a double portion of what He placed on her, and. That's what I'm like, this is so, this is, I I meet a lot of people and this is bigger than she has a great personality. This is a double portion anointing that God has given you to bring light to the world. And I just want you to know on the days that it's hard and the days that it feels like a struggle that you're making it, it's happening. Like you don't have to try to be joy. You don't have to try to make it show up. Like joy is just emanating through your pores. And it's just, I I feel like I've met your mother through meeting you. So her legacy continues to live on. You're doing it. You're really, really doing it. And I want you, no, for real. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're going to keep it together for the delegation, but just so y'all know. <laughs> Listen, um, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's that's so special. I think that's comforting to know um, how much your parents can still be with you. Right. And how capable we are of keeping them alive in the earth. And... Right. Um, yeah, I thank God for Joy and Joan. And, and I thank God for you, Pastor Sarah. I appreciate it. Okay. We're going to answer an advice question together. Let's all of us. All it. three of us. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Let's see. It's long. All right. But here we go. Okay. I'm in a very serious relationship with my lovely boyfriend. To put a long story short, we've practically been in love with each other since high school, but never did anything about it then. Then in the middle of his college years, he moved home and switched universities. Then we reconnected and have been in love ever since that. The last 1.75 years, ma'am. 
you did not give me 1.75 years. Indeed, indeed. Indeed, with a hearty amen. Okay. He loves the Lord and we've discussed marriage. He's saving for a ring and I think I'll be engaged by the end of 2021. Yay. Anyway, that's just to give you an idea of where our relationship is. Of course, no relationship is perfect. And these are some things I'm curious what you think of. How do we go about having a relationship with the Lord together? And we both have our individual faith walks, but as we move into that engaged and then married stage of life, how do we keep our individual faith as we as well as do it together? Like, how does all of that work? I've heard you say before in your podcast that your husband supports you in business as well as in life, as well as you to him. Like, how do you go about that? Going back to what I said before, women aren't as acknowledged for their career when they're in a marriage. And I'm just so afraid of my boyfriend not seeing me as an equal through all of that, too. He's a mechanical engineer. You've probably noticed a theme that I have a fear of not being seen as independent and strong and all of that fun stuff. I didn't, but I see it now. Uh, What I love about you and your (laughs) husband is that you support each other so much in faith and work that it all just seems to blend so seamlessly. I hate having to rely on people and even God at times. And even though even though I should, I feel like that's part of the hindrance of not letting him support me and not always trusting that he wants to, to support me in the way that I want him to, which has nothing to do with him and everything to do with childhood trauma and whatnot. I'm sorry if not all of this is making sense, but I would just love to know how to blend your spiritual and professional relationship with your partner and help build each other up. Do you want to start? You want me to start? Man, I'm, uh, yeah, this is you. This is your wheelhouse. I'm just here to support <laughs> uh, for that particular question because, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, This is what I'm going to say. I think you should get some counseling. I think you should do some therapy because when you said that this has everything to do with childhood trauma and nothing to do with him, it does have something to do with him if it's showing up in the way that he's able to love you in the way that you're able to perceive his love. I think that this has all of those things that you're asking, like those things just kind of work out organically. Like what are you praying for? You're in one another's life. You see areas of their life where you could maybe pray for him and he can pray for you. I mean, professionally, you're sharing dreams. You're asking him to support you in certain things. Can you pray with me about those are things that just kind of happen more organically. What I'm concerned about is your fear of not being seen and how that is showing up in this idea of not wanting to be in a marriage, even though your life is progressing in that direction. I think you should be honest with your partner about what it is that you're feeling. Like I have this fear I need to work through this fear and I'm not ready to get married until I acknowledge what this fear is and how it shows up in my life because I want to give you the best version of me. Oftentimes we make mistakes in relationships because we enter into them knowing we've got our wounds, knowing we have our baggage and just thinking that they'll figure themselves out. They don't just figure themselves out. It takes work. We roll up our sleeves. We acknowledge them. We see how they're changing our lives, our paradigms, the way that we speak up, how we love, how we receive love. This isn't just going to go away. And because you see it as an issue and a hindrance in your relationship, it should be taken seriously and allow him to join you now and praying for deliverance and healing in those areas while you seek the advice of a therapist to help you understand that childhood trauma. But don't plan a life that cures your childhood trauma. Plan a life that sees your childhood trauma, acknowledges your childhood trauma, and then build from this space of healing. 
we're not going to just cut off this version of our, our life from when we were a teenager and say that doesn't exist anymore. It's going to show up. And because it's going to show up, you need to be able to have control and authority over it. Ignoring it means it has control and authority over you. So don't allow this to become just a secret that you hope goes away with time, but address it head on and ask your partner to join you in being a part of that mission. You still going to leave me out here by myself? That's what we're doing. No, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I thought that was great. (laughs) Definitely great advice. I would just add, take this time to get to know you. And I think that goes along with you, you know, advising that she seeks out counseling. Once you fall in love with who you are, there's no way you're going to, you know, worry about if this person who wants to be your life partner is along for the ride. If you love this person that you've worked on and that this person who's coming into the marriage, you have to trust and believe that this person's going to follow suit because you've shown him how you love yourself. So that's all I would add. I love it. Now I have to ask you, John, before we go, do you have any questions for me? We've been, I've been picking your brain and learning about you. Is there anything Mm -hmm. that I can share about my life, my journey to help you or serve you in any way? Everything you're doing in terms of telling your story is super affirming and pushes me to to do the same. So at this point, I want us to answer the advice questions that people have, you know, the other, other folks that have brought to you so that I can continue to, you know, <laughs> to, to get your, your testimony and get your insight on those. But if they arise, Pastor Sarah, if they arise. I will throw mine in the phone. Well, that's it. That was our only advice question. So if you don't have no questions for me, Uh then we can just like wrap this thing going up. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. I got the the advice I got from you today from through, through this uh, last, question is advice that I think I can I can definitely take with me and that I know the delegation can as well. Oh, I love it. Thank you for being plugged in. Thank you for sharing your light. Thank you for sharing your art. It is amazing and beautiful. If people want to get plugged mm-hmm. in and hear more of your poetry, more of your spoken word, how do we find you? I'm on all platforms under Joan Lyric Leslie. Lyric is my stage name and Everything else is on the website, harlemzonelyric.com. Oh, yeah. I love it. Thank you so much, Lyric. Thank you for sharing your light with us. (laughs) We're better. Thank you so much, Pastor Sarah, for your time today and for this this whole platform. You're bringing us closer, and I would love to think that when I get to heaven, there's a delegation corner. (laughs) I'll see you in the VIP section. (laughs) Oh, come on, VIP. (laughs) Bye. Bye. I tried to tell you there was a shift. Something happened. I feel like there's some joy, like Joan's mom's joy, just peeking up in your own soul right now. I don't know what you're going through or how difficult this holiday season may be for you is. But one thing I know for sure is this. God is always sending us signs and winks that he sees us, that he's holding us close, and that we're not in it by ourselves. I hope that this was one of those signs for you. Thank you so much, Joan, for just sharing your light with us, for helping us get through this season and making it a little bit lighter in the midst of some of the grief that we are experiencing. 
Saints, it's a wrap. Okay, but wait a minute. Before you go, you already know the deal. Podcast at womanevolve.com. Send your advice questions. Put your name in the hat and become my next co-host. Let's keep evolving together, holding each other accountable. You're stuck with me and there's absolutely not a thing, not one little old thing you can do about it. See you next week.